0: So, um, before I start this is this is my confession, everyone. Hi, Antonio, Welcome back. <laughs> that wasn't my confession, but welcome back, Antonio. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I had this moment, right? I looked at my calendar this week, and um I was like, no meetings, right and I thought. Man, when's the last time I had a Sunday where I had no meetings? And then I saw on my calendar, it says Suki launches um, the sermon series. And I'm thinking in my mind, I'm going to just say an intro for someone else to preach. (laughs) So the whole day, I I was like, man, I'm so excited. I have the day off. I want to spend time with my family. And then... It's around one, and we're at Costco, and I'm like so excited. I'm like, man, daytime. I'm with Ryan. I never get to hang out with Ryan during the day. And then Ryan asks me, so who's speaking today? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> 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 and then we think, and then I'm like, oh, Suki launches the sermon series means Suki gives the message that launches the rest of the messages. I. Okay, so what we're going to get to see today is the Lord using a willing servant. <laughs> so everybody, please, stretch your hands. I, I, I need it. So Holy Spirit, I thank you so much because I believe that you are here. And for each and every one of us, Father God, that you are big enough That we don't have to be perfect. hey. And so, Lord, Holy Spirit, I just say I need you. That we need you. That you have something to say to us. That this has been on your heart all week. All year since you began and you started our church. That you have a way that you want this message articulated. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would open our hearts. We look to you, Lord, because you are the one who leads our church. You are the one who pastors our church. You are the one who is calling each and every one of us. So I praise you and I thank you and I just say, Yes, as your servant, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So let's see if a miracle happens today, guys. Um,. Okay. Actually, I mean, truth be told, this isn't just coming out of nowhere. This is something I've been sitting on for a really long time. Um, so um, what's really amazing, so we are now in a sermon series. We talked about last week, or in the last few weeks, actually, about um, being consumed and having our heart fully rooted in who Christ is. And I think a lot of times we talk a lot about this part, you know, like our relationship with the Lord and um, making sure that we ourselves as individuals are doing really well with the Lord. But there's a second component, and that is something that I feel like is really near and dear to each and every person's heart, and that is the idea of having a purpose while we're here on earth. And each and every human being... I believe if you are truly a human being that is alive and awoken to your humanness, right? You have a desire to make your life mean something. And that is given, God given to each and every one of us from, from our very fiber of our DNA. It is interwoven into each and every one of us. We want our lives to mean something. That is given to us by Jesus. And so before sin, I believe that God still had a purpose for each and every one of us. We all were made differently. We, were, we would have been born into a perfect environment, but we would still be different. We'd all have our own gifts, our talents, and we would utilize them in a particular way in a perfect world right? If there was no sin. However, in the book of Genesis, as we know, it didn't take us a whole lot of time after God created all the trees, the the birds, the fish, the everything, right? Then he creates us and he says everything's good. But then after that, not long, I don't exactly know exactly how long, Adam and Eve encounter their first test. And in that first test, they fail. Right? They were given, God put in the garden a tree. And this tree is known as a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God told them, don't eat of it. At that point in time, there was nothing wrong, nothing lacking. On earth, in Adam and Eve, they were at homeostasis, peace. They had purpose. They still had purpose at that point. But once they disobeyed God, something starts to happen. It sets off a chain of events in all of creation. And sin enters into our atmosphere and on into earth we were initially created to live forever to understand good to have connection but then if you guys want you guys can open your bibles to romans 5 i'm gonna grab some water Verse 12. And it says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. Therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation for all men, So one act of righteousness leads to justification in life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience the man will be made righteous. That's uh, verse 12, and then I skipped a little bit um, to verse 18 and 19. And why this is important is one person, or two people, right? They were one, but they sin, and one sin releases a cataclysmic domino effect on all of creation. And then Jesus comes, and he says that all have now sinned, and now I'm going to fix things. But when Jesus comes and he fixes things... It doesn't reset all of heaven and earth perfect immediately, okay? What it does, what changes is first everything's perfect, everything's in order, everything has its place. Then through that sin, everything becomes all messed up. A lot of times we say, man, when, if, we, if we feel like we do one thing that's wrong, right? The world says, well, but it doesn't harm anybody, Adam and Eve probably didn't think when they ate that fruit that that would harm anybody. We oftentimes think that sin is some isolated event that doesn't affect anything. But I would like to say that every time there is a sin, it releases death into our earth and our atmosphere. A whole domino effect starts to become released And so if we think about every single—I'm not trying to overwhelm us, okay—but if we think about every single moment that we were slightly disobedient, every single moment we made a choice that was not perfect, and that that could have been the choice or the thing that unlocked an atmosphere of sin, we can now no longer just blame Adam and Eve. And we can no longer say that what we did has no ramifications on earth. What happens, or what happened when Christ came, it didn't reset and make all of Earth perfect again. But all of a sudden, there's a way for things to finally get cleaned up. Right? Before that, there wasn't really a a, a really good eraser. There's one guy... Who goes in, he was called the high priest. He goes in and he makes a thing called atonement. And he goes and he basically, like, they have to kill a whole bunch of innocent animals, spread the blood all over the temple and the high, and that, like, altar. And then the presence of God has to come and it consumes that thing. And that only works for just enough time to get us through to the next time that that priest guy has to come and make atonement. What Jesus comes and he does is he comes and he goes, okay, we don't have to kill any more poor animals, no more barbecues for that purpose. We can still eat barbecue for other purposes, but we don't have to barbecue for that anymore, right? And he says, I will now become the eternal lamb. And, but what that does, but there's a way that that works, Right. First, we have to believe, and then as we believe, it starts to make a way for things to start to get put in right order. Now, this process of the world and everything getting put in right order, we use a lot of words for that here on earth now. We call that restoration. We call that sanctification. We call that justification. We call that redemption. We call that justice, righteousness, a lot of different things. Okay? That, so we had our first mission on purpose before there was a fall. But then after there's a fall, there's almost like a SOS emergency this is now our mission. Okay? Without the fall, our mission would just be to love the Lord our our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's still true. But if we all sat around singing Kumbaya, just loving each other, just loving Jesus, all in our closets, we would still probably be face-to-face with God one day and have a problematic stance. He'd probably still go, well, what did you do? Do, right? Because the word says that all of our faith has to be manifested in some kind of deed and action. Love has to look like something, right? Okay, so when we talk about our, our purpose and our mission, I would like to say that I, what I felt like the Lord shared and said to me was that it falls all of mission on earth falls into two categories. One is revealed in Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20. All have fallen short of the glory of God. No one is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one sees God. Oh, no, sorry, that's Romans. But Matthew 28, 19 through 20 is the Great Commission. That's the part where it says, go, therefore, and tell, and make disciples of the nations. So, as for those of us in the room who do know Jesus, our first mission falls under some realm of sharing who Jesus is. The second part is has, was uh, spoken in Matthew 5 where uh, Jesus reads his Sermon on the Mount and he says, you know... Um, They ask him how to pray, and and there's a part in there where it says, on earth as it is in heaven. Okay. I think this is really um, important because I feel like everything that we do, everything that you and I have a purpose for, extends to some form of those two things. Okay. So here's another thing that's really important to say. What we live in here is temporary. Okay, so there's this kind of grand narrative that the fall, like God made earth, the fall happened, Jesus came, died, rose again, made a way for us to then go to heaven. But there's another kind of component to that that one day Jesus is gonna come back again. And when he comes back again, He's going to bring the people who know him with him to heaven and establish a new heaven and new earth, okay? And that's kind of happening on the backdrop of all these statements about mission and purpose. So one day, no matter what happens here on earth, a new one is going to be made. It doesn't matter how many good works we do. All that's going to matter at that point is the revelation of, the, to the degree that we have revelation of God, how did we respond to that? He's going to say, what did you do with the revelation of Christ that you had? And that is really where it says Jesus is the way, right? He's the only way. It's problematic for a lot of people, except for the fact I think that's really important because all of the good works and all the deeds are going to come down to that. Okay. So, all of the other stuff I'm going to say is bringing heaven to earth matters a lot, but it, it matters in so much that it contributes to that happening. And we all have a part in that happening somehow. Evangelism, the sharing of Christ, and our part that we played in bringing that to pass is the foundation for which all of our good works happens. The reason I want to say that is If we did a whole bunch of stuff but nobody came to know Jesus at the end of the day, it's still for nothing, okay? But I will also say this. If we went out there and just told a bunch of people about Jesus but we didn't help make the world any better, if we were jerks doing it, And nothing here on earth changed. And people were still starving. We still would have something to be accountable for when we see Jesus. Okay. Excuse me. So there's this thing, I think, um, uh, called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. How many of you guys have heard of it? Okay, great. So a good amount of you guys have heard of it. For those of you guys who haven't, and even if you have, let's just contextualize why I'm bringing it up. Okay. So Maslow was this social scientist, and basically he kind of outlined what he felt like everybody needs. And what he said was there's this kind of this triangle, this pyramid, And at the bottom of that pyramid sits our physiological needs. So that's like our physical needs. Those are our needs for health to be well, for our bodies not to be sick, for food. We all have to eat. We won't get through more than maybe three days, 40 if you're drinking water, right, without food. We need water. We need to sleep. There's serious problems that happen when people don't sleep, right? clothing, and shelter. And then after that, we have to feel safe physically, like harm is not going to happen to us. And then, after that, there's love and belonging. That's when we start, and, and then, it's at that point that we can start to entertain thoughts about our spirituality. When people are sick, hungry, oppressed, not sleeping, not eating, depressed, being harmed, chased by a lion, chased by a scary abuser. Nobody is asking deep spiritual questions. They just need to get okay. So part of our mission is, I, is trying to identify and contextualize where we fit in this whole process of needs being met and where we fit in this whole process of making earth look like heaven. And that is important because the more earth looks like heaven, the more accessible the ideas of God become to other people. The reason I say that is because if you've ever met someone who grew up in a super dysfunctional family or a super dysfunctional space, and you tell them, God is good, he's a good dad, the farther their reality looks from that, the harder it is for them to believe that that exists. So when we talk about societies that have a complete worldview that is super divergent from that. And we as Christians want to come in and tell them our belief system. We have to recognize that the farther we people are from the true identity and understanding of what a loving father and what his beliefs and what truth are, the more work it's going to take to get us there. And so for some of us, what our mission and our purpose here on earth is going to look like is going to be to shorten that gap. Okay. Okay. So... Ah, I'm going to pray again. I'm getting a little bit confused. <sighs> okay. So what the Lord showed me was that um, for us as believers, um, and even if you aren't here yet a believer, the reason why um, this all matters is because, like I said There's this backdrop of, at the end of the day, we're all going to have to stand and meet the Lord. But while we're here, now that Jesus has come, we all actually have a part to play in that. And our part to play, because of the power of Christ, he has the ability to undo basically every component of the mess here on earth. Okay. And our part now is to be part of that cleanup process. Every single one of us has a role and a part to play in some form of that cleanup process. And that part, and today, what I want to kind of talk about is how extensive that cleanup process is. Because I think in our world today, everyone is talking about. And everyone can identify and see that there are things that need to be cleaned up. But actually, this process is pretty extensive. There's an there's a com- individual component, and then there's a social dy- uh, general, like the groups of individuals, the social component, right? And in every individual, there is an emotional, physical um, need, and spiritual need. And then societies and, and groups of people also have these needs, okay? And each and every one of us has some part of that, whether you are called to be a psychologist, whether you are called to be someone in the church, whether you're called to be someone who goes into the business world, whether you're called to be someone who's going to, go into any sphere, what we do, to the extent that we know and carry Christ, we get to bring that into our respective places to reflect, but ultimately not just reflect, actually help shorten that gap so that people can have an, have the ability and the revelation to encounter Christ. So... When we think about a society, um, Bill Bright, I think, um, he's a pretty well-known um, minister who used to do ministry to college students. Is that right? At Campus Crusade. And he and Lauren Cunningham kind of were shooting the breeze and talking to each other. Lauren Cunningham is someone who was, um, who's, one of the, who's the founder of one of the greatest and largest missions organizations in the world. He's been to every single country, However country or nation state is defined that he has been able to go to, like that exists right now. And we, Ryan and I, had the real privilege of getting to talk to him. And one of the things that he said that he felt like the Lord showed him was that in every single society, there's seven components to that society. There is some component of communication, right? Like people have to talk to each other. Information has to be transmitted. That was what we would call communication or media. There is some component of celebration. The human spirit has a part that needs to celebrate and emote. That's what we call the arts. There's some component of commerce or business. Right? That's how we make transactions, whether we're trading sheep and goat or we're trading Bitcoin. okay. Um, There's some component of commerce. There's some component of education. People have to learn things. There's some component of family. As long as there are humans, there will be families because that's how, well, we're born. And there's some component of spirituality. And there's some component of government in every single society known to man, government being how we organize and keep everybody safe. It's going to actually look like this in heaven too. There's a way that God desires for all these things to look and to function, where people are treated well, where people know him and operate through the knowledge of his voice and his character. And each and every one of us in this room has been called to some form of one of those areas. But undergirding all of those seven areas is the idea that we want those areas to look as much like heaven as possible, but ultimately so that people can then access Christ. Because no matter what those systems look like, those systems will all become nothing one day. But the closer we get to showing heaven to people, the more likely they are to believe us when we tell us what heaven actually looks like and helps them want to get there. So my question is, what area are you called to individuals? Are you called to systems? Which of these mountains or spheres do you feel called to? There can be more than one. Do you feel called to communication? Do you feel called to arts, helping people, the human condition be celebrated? There needs to be space for us to express? Do you feel called to some way to make business ethical and work properly? Do you feel called to some way of being able to see the family function healthily? Do you feel called to explicit working in the church? I would say that the church and religion is not really a sphere as much as it is a ground that all of the other ones as a worldview stand on. Our relationship with God and the way in our interactions, we are actually trying to bring everyone to the family of Christ. It's not a separate sphere. It's actually the one that touches each and every one of these, but there are some people who will be called to be more direct in those spheres. And then there's government, because this is where we establish our laws, our norms, what Government says is right and wrong, whether they actually are, is what people in that society now think are right and wrong. And so some people will, be, will feel called to help change and establish and bring those places of law and order to reflect God's heart. We call a lot of that justice today, but really, it is an extension of all things being made, bringing heaven to earth. So, which components do you resound with? And it can be more than just one, but we have to take an inventory of what really like resounds in our heart. This whole week, um, the Lord. There was this song on my heart, and I, like I said, I didn't know that I was going to preach, but I just kept singing it over and over again. And um, it was, the line was: Break my heart for what breaks yours, all I am for your kingdom's cause. And over and over, I kept hearing that. Over and over: Break my heart for what breaks yours, all I am for your kingdom's cause. And if I could encapsulate what purpose and mission looks like, it's that. It's having your relationship with the Lord, what you feel and are moved by in that time with him, the things that he cares about, informing the things that you care about. But the truth is, he cares a lot about a lot of things. He really does. His whole mission, when he saw the whole world start to domino into chaos, he was like, oh, there's going to be a lot to fix. But with Jesus, we finally have a way to start to clean some of that up. But not any one of us can clean up all of it all by ourselves. That's why we have to work on it together. Okay. So one of the other things that I felt like the Lord um, spoke to me this week was the word says that we are all made in the image of God. Okay, that we are made in his likeness. So deep down in the core of who we are, God set eternity in our hearts. We know and we are longing to the depth of our being for heaven to be expressed here on earth. And every single time we see something that does not look like heaven, the more we are attuned to God, the more it's going to rub us the wrong way. It should. So for those of us who are believers, when we see things short of that standard, we are going to be upset, but there's, and I'm not even saying upset in a really like negative way or, or like making it small. It's like it should, because we were made for heaven. We were made to be the people who are going to rule and establish heaven here. And even when there's a new heaven and new earth, we are still going to be managers of continuing to keep order in heaven as well. And what we do here on earth is we have to know who God is and how he's made us so that we can learn how to use the things he's given us the best that we can. That is our duty. But I will say this. And this is not an excuse at all. This is for Sustain sustenance and being able to do it sustainably okay the word the Lord says that the harvest is plenty but the workers are few there really is an endless infinite amount to do and this is not in a really negative like be hopeless kind of way there is enough work for more than the amount of hours in the day and there's not enough people doing it One, we need more people to do the work. Two, there also needs to be a humble acknowledgement that at the end of your 24 hours, you still need to sleep because if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to be good for the hopefully 80, 90, 100 years that you get to be alive here on earth. We need you as the body of Christ to do your work sustainably. We can't get overwhelmed by the task. We can't get so mad that there is so much work to do. Because there's a thing that happens for all people. We like to talk about how bad things are. Did you notice that these people were this way? Did you notice that this thing was broken in this way? Let's talk about how broken these things are. Let's just fill ourselves with all of the dialogue about all the things that are going wrong. I just want to say today, not in a really like terrible way, but that is always going to be true. We only want to talk about those things in so much as we are going to be constructive and help fix those things. And we also have, the, we have to know and have the awareness that not everyone is going to see the area that you see that needs to be fixed with equal importance. We always see the world through our strengths. We will always see the world through the area that we most see needs help. Somebody else is not always going to see that. But I, what I want us to do, if you, when you go home, encounter the Lord and ask him, what are the areas that I see that are so broken? What are my gifts? And what am I going to do to help that? Am I going to be one of those people, because we all are, but that is going to be overtly telling someone, this is who Jesus is. This is why you need him. Do you want to have your life come to know him? And once that happens, are you going to be a part of that process of saying, this is what it looks like now to know Jesus, to be a disciple. These are the areas that need to get cleaned up. There's some people who are going to do that. Hopefully all of us get to have those kinds of conversations. Or, but, even if you don't get to be those people who go out or don't choose to be one of those people who goes out, every day, and just tell people explicitly about Christ. We still have the job of seeing which way do we get to be a part of establishing, getting a vision prophetically from heaven, and bringing that to be true where we are. When the Bible talks about part of us feeding a stranger... And when we feed a stranger, it's the same thing, a stranger in need, as loving Jesus. That is one very important way of bringing heaven to earth. But we all have ways and places where we can do that. So this isn't like a long message, but this is to contextualize when we're starting to talk about being consumed in this mission. When we are going to, in the next few weeks, kind of dive deeper into what it looks like, I think this is a message that is relevant to each and every one of us. We, some of us are going to be called to family, and part of bringing heaven to earth is going to look like raising your children well to know Jesus. Because if our children know Jesus well, I mean, granted, there's always going to be something to help heal, but part of discipleship is helping to clean up a lot of our people's poor parenting that didn't look like the Lord. But for people who are called to family, It's as basic as going back to the Garden of Eden. Like They leave their mom and their dad, and they go, they raise kids, and they lead them and teach them in the way that they should go. That is a very real part of bringing heaven to earth. That could be part of your contribution. There is a component where we all are part of the body of Christ, and there's a way that we contribute to building his kingdom and his family, his spiritual family here and a part of the the component of bringing other brothers and sisters into that as well I think it's really really important for our arms our shoulders our noses our feet everything to not covet what someone else is called to, but also if someone else is not called to the same part as you with the same depth of conviction, to not judge it. We live in a world and a society today that's really good about saying, why don't you care about the thing that I care about, the way that I care about it, as much as I care about it? And if you don't care about it as much, you're passive, and you don't care about the world, and you're not a good person. And I just want to say, that's not true. That's a lie. That's a voice of accusation that is coming upon the people who genuinely, not the people, us as people, who genuinely desire to do the will of God here on earth. And all that voice does, it it paralyzes and makes people question and not know then what their part is to do. Am I supposed to now do what you are called to do? Am I supposed... Yes, actually, there's some people who will. And there's some people who won't. And the beauty of the body of Christ is that sitting within any church, in any part of the world, hopefully we reflect a myriad and a variety and diversity of calls. Actually, that is so important and that we are able to honor and see each and one of those things as valid and help each other and support each other and not be given into the voice of accusation that says, if you are not called the same way I am called to the degree that I'm called... That you are not also a part of this mission of reflecting Christ and bringing restoration, redemption, healing, sanctification, and righteousness until our Christ comes back again. And then the, second, the last thing I want to say before I wrap this up is we do not ever need to be overwhelmed by the task. Because although that I think what was really, really important is that although it was one man, Adam, who create, who sinned and then let sin enter, when Jesus came, when we believe in this extra component called the miraculous, all of a sudden, what would take a hundred conversations, a hundred meetings, a hundred protests, a hundred articles written, a hundred hours of laboring in prayer— a hundred doctor visits, it can happen in an instant. One encounter of a woman who was, healed, was bleeding for years, 20 years or something like that. She comes and she just goes, if only I touch Jesus, I will be well. We're not just saying, go to work and just toil away. No. One of the things he bought for us was the miraculous. Being able to be embodied and and released through our own mouths and hands. So when we go into these areas, whether we're doctors, teachers, parents, students, academics, business people, we also have something in our possession we have the presence of the holy spirit if you th- that unlocks and can make it infinitely fast what happens yes i'm not and i'm not undermining again right like any of the things that we have to do day to day we've got to answer emails somehow those emails actually help this whole thing happen <laughs> right Somehow text messages can help this. Somehow we can use all of these things that we do on a day. Going to class, talking, conversation. All of those can be helpful. But nothing can be done without the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then you add the presence of the Holy Spirit. And then it can happen and turn it like that. And I want us to start to even start to pray and contend The way we're going to see heaven come to earth, the way we're going to see these systems broken, in part, in large part, there is no amount of all that human effort that will make it. It will seem, like I said, one guy dominoed us into this, like, freaking, I don't know, crazy landscape of chaos. How And Jesus, how is he going to make it all right again? It's got to be supernatural that in that one moment of encounter, it can clean up that much more. The word says that it, it can heal a multitude of sin, right? Faith in Jesus, an encounter with God, can undo infinitely more than you can ask or imagine, So, where we think like, oh, this is what we do, we can erase one line and make it right. Actually, no. And so, I want um, to have all of us stand up today and let's pray. And for those of you guys who do know and even those who don't, if you want to step into a greater comprehension and be activated in your purpose, just open your hands. Father God, we dream and believe that you put in us a burning desire to see our world changed and look like heaven. We want to see injustice broken. We want to see families healed. We want to see so many things. Schools, businesses, churches, I mean walking in like the enormity of the revelation of heaven that is made accessible to us now through your death on a cross. We just confess that we don't even know how big what you've bought for us is, but we know that with you and through our faith, we're going to be able to access greater degrees of restoration, of healing, of heavenliness. And we pray right now today, here on earth as it is in heaven. Here on earth as it is in heaven. Here on earth as it is in heaven, Father God. And show us what our part is in bringing that to pass. May we stop comparing, feeling inferior, feeling accused. May we step into the boldness. The confidence of being able to ask you, how did you make me? What is my part to play? I pray right now we break off fear. We break off comparison. We pray, Father God, right now that you would break off all other voices that have spoken into this area. And we ask for a kingdom mindset, God. Show us your way. Show us our part in your way. Let us be able to stand before you one day, God, and that you would look upon us and say, Good, well and done, my faithful servant. The time that we have here on earth, let it be to your glory, O God. Let it be to your glory. May every component of our life bring you glory. Let it be meaningful, eternally worthwhile, oh God. Make what is abstract concrete. Help it make sense, Father God. Help bring people to know you through our words, our actions, our heart in every single moment and day. Help us be instruments of reversing the curse and the fallenness of this world. We love you, Jesus. And as we start to talk about being consumed by your mission, give us grace, give us patience, and keep us close, God, that all of this comes from first being loved by you and sitting at your feet and doing as you say. We love you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So for those of you guys who want prayer or want to continue a little bit more in thinking about this, we'll have some people up here who will pray for you. Um, Have a wonderful Sunday. God bless you.